Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, known throughout the land as the Millennial Meatloaf, is Gavin. <laughs> All right. All right. And, <laughs> and this weirdo with me, uh, trading fish at the market, is Hess. I don't. Is that just something that happened in your game today? No, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> okay. And I was, yeah. I've been waiting. No, actually, this speech I've had before, which is, I don't know where that came from. And <laughs> mine goes in several different directions. Yeah, and then I'm going to yeah. be honest about where that came from. No, it I just popped it. into my head from an episode of Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I have I, not seen recently. It's just how yeah. my head is. I really like the seasons of Vikings that are, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a real bipolar show in terms of seasons that are good and seasons that are not. Uh, yeah, even individual weird. episodes. It's kind of like uh, The Walking Dead in that way. They're like... Yeah, yeah. It's um, sometimes very good, sometimes very inane and stupid. Yeah, it got really stupid, and then they went to France, and it got okay, although extraordinarily <laughs> fictional. Uh, yeah, I kind of... <laughs> I liked the, Fr- the France angle, but I was like, this is going to be a very different show. Yeah. Um, with with what's his butt, the big brother, as like a French king or a French yeah. duke or whatever the fuck they made him. I'm like, this is a totally different show, y'all. Yeah. And we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond on a... On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers. Quick reminder, check the Instagram. It's at Oopsdoll. It's at Oopsallmonsters, just like you think it would be. Okay, on episodes that are a Gavin topic, I um, grab a vocabulary word. Vocabulary. What's the word? Today, the word I just stumbled across by just kind of Googling weird things. Um, it's yeah. A, it's an old English word from the 1500s called hugger mugger. Uh, hugger mugger. Hugger dash hugger dash mugger is um, spelled exactly how you think about it. Uh, hugger dash mugger. Hmm. And it it's has a, two. It has two meanings. Certainly uh, a business. The, the first one is secrecy. Uh, <laughs> um, to do secretly or uh, yeah, secrecy to like secret business, you might call hugger yeah. mugger as a, the noun version. And then the second meaning is um, confusion or muddle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, a long, chaotic speech that nobody understood um, uh, basically just means jungled. He did it in a hugger-mugger How fashion. appropriate for the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also, when you type it into Google, uh, I guess a pretty big business. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah? What kind? Do they sell... Uh, um, it looks like recipes. Fucking... And yoga. And, oh, no, it's like several hundred different businesses just called Hugger Mugger. Oh, okay. Some, it's, they're probably all English because it's a weird English thing. Yeah. Um, it goes back to 1529 in the uh, noun sense and 1692 in the adjective sense. So there you are. There you are, everybody. Try to get that into your fucking vocabulary this week. Hugger Mugger. Blimey. <laughs> <laughs> so Gavin... What? How will we possibly know about well, what kind of monster we we're could, discussing? We could Im- imagine a scenario. You might get this almost immediately, and if you do, mm. um, feel free to let me know so I don't have to um, try not to give it completely away in the story. Okay, and, and like okay. agonize myself further. But imagine, if okay. you will, that you are a farmer. In a high fantasy world um, filled with high fantasy things, and you're ch- tending to your crops, 
your very large hog named Rambo is uh, <laughs> scooting you across um, half-plowed fields. You barely have enough seeds to to make it this summer. Uh, whenever one of your kids runs from out of the woods, um, from the direction of the river, and yells, "We found something next to the river! Come and look! I come and look!" And you take a break. Yeah. <laughs> Is the thing that they found a daikini baby? The thing they found is a daikini baby. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Tell her I'm not gonna let anything happen to the baby. We gotta get that baby to somebody. I'm somebody. Um, after the High Eldwin told you to take the daikini baby to the first daikini that you see, and you've given it away, um, on your way back to your village with your best friend Migosh, you are, uh... Um, imagining how they'll welcome you back as heroes whenever you noticed an owl carrying the very baby that you gave away uh, to the daikini with a tiny person on it screaming, I stole the baby. Yeah! <laughs> I stole the baby! I stole the baby! <laughs> uh-huh. A very tiny person, yes. Yes. Um, Which is, can you imagine what the so-called monster is. <laughs> Are they brownies? Are we, yes. Because, Frangia, okay. Frangia and Rule, the brownies from Willow. <laughs> we'll never keep up with those horses. Then we will have to track them. That would take forever. Besides, even if we find them, they'll catch us, stick us in cages, torture us, and finally devour us. Are you suggesting we go home? Nah, this is more fun. All right. I, you know, I had the, I had doing the brownie... Let me tell you why I didn't do the brownies. Um, not really a monster. Months and months. <laughs> yeah, because brownies are such a... They're, they're specifically positive fairies. Yeah. You know, like, they have... Brownies, in almost every instance of their... Um, of them being described... Yeah. Are iterated as having, like, a, a moral compass where whatever... They steal from you. They um, like replace in kind with some kind of equal or opposite boon, right? Yeah. Does that? It's, I, it's, it's frequently how fairies are or I'm, uh, brownies, a subset of fairies, are described. Yeah. So I was like, oh, the brownies would be funny, but I was like, they're too good. So I don't, I don't know if they count for our yeah. show. But, but um, let's well, let's see what to, we learn about doing to a lesser extent. I was I was going to talk about the Ebersisk which is the two-headed dragon thing that is a monster in Willow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, I um, I had in my mind to do Willow because of the new Willow movie. Yeah. Uh, don't tell me that you didn't know there was a new Willow movie. Okay, good. <laughs> because, I Because people would start yeah. to think it was a gag that you, like, didn't know about the world. <laughs> you did know that there was a new I did Willow know movie this one, out. yeah. Because yeah. that... <laughs> Not knowing Fred Ward had died would have been one level of ignorance, but not knowing that there was a new Willow movie coming <laughs> yeah. out and just doing um, just doing a Willow topic would be probably a bridge too far. Yeah. Goddamn bitch. Pardon my French. Shit. <laughs> Into unlikelihood. Yeah, this is a it's a TV series. Yeah. Um, is it a series? I yeah. totally didn't pay attention it's to that gonna part. It's going to be on okay. Disney+. Plus. That makes sense why it looked so elaborate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I was watching that trailer going, man, this looks like a hell of a lot of movie, Ron. PG, the PG blockbuster movie directed by um, Ron Howard. <laughs> Written by George Lucas and Bob Dolman and starring Val Kilmer, Joanne Wally, and, of course, friend of the show, Warwick, Warwick Davis. Davis. Our, our guy, yeah. I want the gold! <laughs> the uh, entire commentary for the DVD special feature is only Warwick Davis. He's a really nice person. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems everything... Everything indicates so far that that is true. So I'm very glad that that's the case. Yeah. You know, I think generally being part of a marginalized community tends to give people a little bit more, um, like, awareness of the world to make it less yeah, likely yeah. that you're a dick. Not that, 
Not that anybody, not that all populations don't have dicks, <laughs> but you know, it just seems like he's 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 gotten the right. Yeah, he would have a life. story like um, for almost every other scene about how stunts would go wrong and how difficult filming was and everything, and he was like really uh, optimistic about it. He was like really happy to tell the story, like oh, I almost died yeah. right here because. <laughs> The 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 uh, latch fell off and I almost plummeted to my death. But luckily, the stunt coordinator knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I, b- I believe it on a, a big scary movie like this with the kind of like huge yeah. set piece gags that are happening. There's a very physical. Yeah, one movie. of the f- one of the first things you see is an amazing uh, practical effect called the death dog, which is. Um, just a Rottweiler with a mask on, but but it looks so real. Oh. Um, like I don't know how exactly they put an animatronic face on a Rottweiler. It might not have been animatronic, and they could could have just like oh, blended in shots. Yeah. Do you remember those? Now I remember. Yeah. No. I, yeah. It's scary as fuck. It. It. it yeah. It's actually. I think it's like a basically a practical execution of a of a. Like a warg, because yeah. essentially you just put like a bear size head mask on a dog, and yeah. I think the trick is just that the shot is the shot is fairly dark, and you match the fur color, yeah. and you're just like that's scary as shit. Like those things are terrifying. Yeah, um, I think that's a I think that's just a practical mask, and it it works though. Yeah, yeah, that in editing the way they edited it too, there was a lot of like close ups and um, running. <laughs> There's a um, you know, born ultimatum style editing on this mask. So that helps a lot. But yeah. The, I remember those things being scary as hell Yeah, and looking at the photos. Yeah. It's got, it's kind of like a demon versus a dog versus a boar kind of a thing. Yeah. And the, uh, there was a scene that was actually cut out of the UK version where they tear apart like a, the dummy of the midwife that snuck the baby out. Like that was, um, that, that looked real because the arms on the dummy and stuff were like flailing up and like, you just see the, like the, the cloth, (laughs) like the cloak of the woman fly up and these dogs going, yeah, like nightmare on Elm street gets sucked through a a 10 inch window in 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 a red, in a red front door. There's a way to do, there's a way to do dummies and puppets, you know, and uh, and a way to fail at it. I think that I, I think the trick is to do a shitload of takes and just take the one that looks the silliest. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see. You always see. As a kid, I'm going to go back to when I was a kid a lot with this, and I think you are too cuz um first of all, uh I think it would uh, it was good to pick Frangiel and Rule because all of Frangiel and Rules who's uh portrayed by Kevin Pollack and Rick Overton, who Rick Overton, I swore was Dan Aykroyd when I was a kid, and like I thought that his name wasn't <laughs> in the movie, like like he wasn't in uh, yeah. Temple of Doom. Like I was one hundred percent convinced that Rick Overton was Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> uh, well, with all that, with all that weird like fake leather getup, yeah, I could understand. Yeah. Yeah, there was there, but there um there was a a large chunk of the dialogue between me and the Bowden family, my mother's side of the family, that were just Frangiel in rule quotes. We would find a way to, <laughs> to like make them fit into the contract. Like I stole a baby means I ha- I got the thing at the <laughs> store I was gonna get, or. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. We we were quoting them nonstop when we were when I was young. This way. No, 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 I don't think so. Alright, then this way. No, no. This way. This way. That's what I said. This way. Are you sure you know where you're going? Of course. With us as your guides, no harm will befall you. A, a piece of um trivia related to nothing about um, Kevin Pollock and Rick Overton as the brownies is I've previously mentioned my friend, uh, Lee, who needs to come on the show for something, um, is a, uh, he's a comedy producer and a show that he used to run in Hollywood called the hour of power hour. Yeah. One time he booked, he booked onto his show, both Kevin Pollock and Rick Overton, but didn't realize he realized he had done that yeah. until <laughs> Kevin Pollock walked up to him and said, you know, you booked both brownies on this show. Yeah. And he was like, holy shit. I totally didn't realize it. As far as he was concerned, it was a total coincidence. <laughs> um, so 
There you go. How about that? Hollywood is often a very small place. Yeah. Both very nice. Both very nice guys. And I've yeah. I've heard Kevin Pollock on other thing and he's on other things and he seems like the most delightful guy in the world. Yeah, he's he's normally happy about stuff. He likes to. <laughs> yeah, I also love him on Marvelous Ms. Ma- Mrs. Maisel. Marvelous Ms. Maisel. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love that. Yeah, show. I forgot he, he was he's, in that. Yeah, he's as and he's as good as everybody else. He's absolutely hysterical. Yeah, he's paired with uh, Tony Shalhoub, and they mm-hmm, they mm-hmm, knock mm-hmm, it out of the mm-hmm. park with hilarity. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised you've seen that, but yeah, I mean, maybe not. It's it's very good. <laughs> yeah, Mar- marvelous Miss Maisel. A, that show's hilarious. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Anyone else with a comment? Uh, Fran Jean, the the tall one who isn't Kevin Pollock, uh-huh. is yeah. is king of all the brownies. That is a title that he made up and never existed before. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because um. The the way that he got that position was um, one day he disappeared from the Brownie Village for a couple of weeks. And when he came back, he had a rope with an octopus sucker at the end of it. And he would throw it up and it would like uh, stick onto a tree. And then he'd swing around and uh, climb up the tree and everything. And he just essentially made like an octopus sucker grappling hook. And all the other brownies wanted one, so they went to go and hunt squid, and they could never catch any squid. And Frangine was <laughs> the only one that could get octopus suckers. And he said he would give everybody one if they elected him king of all the brownies. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, whoever says, but do you have a flag? Yeah. You know, that's just, um, that's just how things go. And um, Rule, the one who is played by Kevin Pollock. Uh, supposedly can, in fact, communicate with with uh, Daikini infants. Where are you getting all this, by the way? Did, did somebody, did some did some fairies come and whisper all this into your ear late at night? I've, I'm, I, where did, where did this uh, lore uh, come to you from? The Infernal Brotherhood of Scruffy-Looking Nerf Herders, which is a YouTube channel that, uh... Uh, is, is uh, the I, only channel I, why in the world did I not ass- why? <laughs> that explored Frangiel and Rule. Yeah. <laughs> why did I not assume that in the first place? Yep, so there's a shout out to the Infernal Brotherhood of the Scruffy Looking Nerf Herders YouTube channel. They're, they're pretty informative. It's mostly Star Wars. Let me see! Let me see! You always see! Oh yeah, Val Kilmer. How great is he? <laughs> I finally dragged my partner into watching uh, Tombstone for the first time um, yeah. two nights ago. And um, in all of my years of watching Tombstone, it actually, it actually, if anything, it just got better. There's hardly anything about it that yes. doesn't improve. I was surprised. And specifically, Val Kilmer is just like a is a fucking a acting wrecking ball in that movie. It's, yeah, he is. It's everybody. Everybody else is in a pretty damn good movie, and he is in a phenomenal movie. Yeah, um, mostly him and him and Michael Bain are like, um, and I would say Powers Booth definitely yeah. are acting like on uh, just crushing it. Where there are very few movies where you think Kurt Russell is kind of like being upstaged by anybody else. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in any scene, you're, you're definitely watching Doc Holliday and not watching Wyatt Earp if you're given, given the choice. Yeah, I think Kurt Russell was busy directing that movie. <laughs> Wretched slugs. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? I'm your huckleberry. Yeah, as you've alluded to in, what was, what was the other movie that Tentacles, we covered that that guy directed? Was it tentacles? Um, was it tentacles? No, I don't think no. it was. No, tentacles was directed by some. It was another fish monster. <laughs> Leviathan. Whatever it is, it appears to be a genetic aberration. No shit. So George P. Cosmatos, director of Rambo Two: First Blood Part Two, Leviathan, and Cobra, which is like, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to sell fingerless leather gloves, is a real great. Um, arc, but yeah. um, Cobra would certainly give you a little bit of the, hmm, the sense of the heavy-handedness of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really remember much from that movie. 
the 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 movie named after the snake that I can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a copy of the Christian Family's Guide to to uh, yeah. movie watching. The Movie and Video Guide for Christian Families, 1988. Yeah, yeah, that's a golden book. Like, <laughs> 1980, 1988, I want to say it's from. And there's an essay, I'm going to have to read from that as a part of the show, And I'm because there's this amazing essay that talks about the triumvirate of Sylvester Stallone characters um, as understood by their relationship to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that the, that, um, <laughs> Rocky is the, the great Christian hero because he realizes his power is outside of himself and comes from beyond. Yeah. Um, Rambo is kind of the, the middling character who is, who, who acts for good, but <laughs> believes that his power is internal and Cobra is the absolute gutter trash because he does not believe in anyone but himself and he is a committer of, of evil. Um, and I just, there is one of the, the, the handful of just amazing, amazing yeah. um, little essays and sidebars explaining how to consume um, modern media in the 1980s from the yeah, Christian that's, family. That's the same book that accused Transformers of like promoting Hinduism or something like that. Which is fucking ridiculous because yeah. anybody who <laughs> has half a brain cell who's watched Transformers the movie clearly can tell it's about Jesus. Like, the, yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. what's his what's his butt was Overdrive Optimus un, Prime? Underburn? No, or, no, no, no. The, no. The, um, the, the Corvette. The, no, the, oh, Corvette the Corvette one who takes over. Insert twenty-five minutes of two men not being able to remember Hot Rod. It was Hot Rod. It's like totally Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe style, like a thinly veiled Christian style messiah, like yeah. soul soul rebirth, except instead of going into a, uh, a cave, you go into space and come back as a Corvette instead yeah. of being um, a semi-truck. No, not, no, <laughs> not all the other children got that obvious allegory. That was just me. Well, step up your games. I, step I up your games, children. Yeah, I don't know why I don't know why it was accused of like uh trying to convert children to Hinduism. <laughs> yeah, um there yeah, and there's a there's a big whole thing about how aliens is bad because it's um it's, it's allowing the nuclear family yeah. to be replaced by a found family in Sigourney yeah. Weaver in Ripley, Hicks and Newt. Yeah. Um, running from it's like they just happen to be two adult people and a child. Like get over it. It's yeah. fine. Also, yeah. he dies. Like <laughs> what? So what? Yeah. <laughs> You're basically saying just like women can't be in movies. So I don't know. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. From the 1988 edition of the Movie and Video Guide for Christian Families, by Ted Bear, with Bruce W. Grimes and Lisa Ann Rice. Aliens, 1986, 135 minutes. Rating, R. Content, profanity and violence. Intended audience, teenagers and adults. Starring Sigourney Weaver, Lance Hendrickson. Director, James Cameron. Like most sequels, Aliens is not the thriller that Alien was, even though it is in many ways better crafted because the element of surprise is missing. Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, is rescued by a spaceship after being in hypersleep for 57 years. Almost no one believes her story about vicious aliens. Eventually, however, a man named Burke, Ripley, and a detachment of Marines investigate the planet where she found the aliens. Sure enough, the aliens are still implanting eggs inside humans where they incubate. Burke turns against everyone so that he can make money by bringing back an alien alive. Everyone gets killed except Ripley, one of the Marines, an android, and a little girl. Ripley is the one who saves the little girl for whom she has motherly feelings. Note, the little girl allows Ripley to enjoy motherhood without having a man in her life. In fact, Ripley seems to be the only commendable character of the bunch. 
The message is clear that women are superior to men, and feminism is the only valid worldview. Aliens would be a good movie, even with its lopsided gender emphasis, if it were not for the excessive profanity. Because of that, avoid it so that the entertainment industry will realize that it cannot profit from cursing God. That again is 1988's The Movie and Video Guide for Christian Families. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to do a separate thing that we do for YouTube of reading from the the Christian the Christian Science um, Entertainment Reader. Yeah, the movie and video guide for Christian families, 1988. Because that that book is a goldmine of entertainment. Anyway, I had heard um, Daikini babies, Daikini babies that Daikini babies uh, grow up to be huge. <laughs> I'm going to start calling people daikini babies. Yeah, we got to start calling calling humans daikinis. <laughs> yeah. It's you like the stu- you're that stupid daikini I stole the baby from when you uh, were taking a pee. Uh, of course you d- drop that martini glass, you stupid daikini bitch. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, I, I, not that you need any help, um, you know, population of little people, but if you want to start calling all of us daikinis, I mean, that's funny as shit. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, you have every right because hey, come they on, might. I, it's, it's we're we're not we're not in that uh, inner circle. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. They might have <laughs> phrases, they might have words and pejoratives that I don't know about. Uh, that's fine. Take use daikinis. It's funny as hell. Um, There is, I wonder, nah, yeah, that's okay. I I wonder, I wonder if there was a kind of like, um, you, you know, you have, you hear these old Hollywood stories about like in the wizard of Oz when uh, basically you had hundreds of little people who had like never met another little person in their life, in their whole Mm. lives, just suddenly all working on this same project. And it was like a whole kind of like hootenanny because they were all put in the same hotel and they were all like, like, you know, like throwing TVs out the window and, you know, smoking crack out of light bulbs. You kind of, (laughs) you kind of wonder if there was kind of like a, a big little person, you know, jamboree on the set of, um, on the, on the set of, Willow for a while because it seems like without in a world where you don't see other people that are part of your like micro population for lack of a better term it would be really fascinating to suddenly have you know 50 of them standing around and you're all actors yeah you're all getting paid and wearing weird outfits it was it was more like 800 and Warwick Davis said really it was the yes Warwick Davis said that there were 800 little people for that village um, wow. And that they all gathered. He said it was the biggest gathering of little people for a movie ever. I believe it. I mean, yeah. 800 is a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. He said that um, a, a lot of people met each other, like a lot of spouses met each other, like a lot of people became friends over it and stuff like that. He he met his wife there, although they got romantically involved much later. He still met his wife there. <laughs> Fascinating, yeah. Because I mean, when I used to, uh, when I used to watch, I mean, admittedly, like the same boring two seasons of Little People, Big World, over and over again. Yeah. You know, they would they would feature that kind of like um, year, you know, annual little person meetup, and yeah. that how crucial it was because the population is so microscopic in in numbers, and it seems like that. I mean, if you think about how often you actually run into little people, that it, it's such a um, uh, low percentage of a minority that if you suddenly met 800 of them, you'd be like, oh, my God, I'd better find a wife today. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> uh, I've been alive for 32 years, and this is the first time I've seen more than, you know, like, two cute people my size in my whole life. And yeah. I, I just did – I this it, it just seems like an incredibly – 
fascinating social dynamic of of any minority population where like the the bizarre vicissitudes of capitalism and George Lucas's screenwriting nonsense has made it so you know more than 500 of people that are that have your same life experience are suddenly you know, in a bunch of, you know, air conditioned tents in, yeah. uh, off of Melrose, um, for like was in Wales. You know, three weeks. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, sh- I should have known that. By the way, they, they built castle set pieces in Wales, which seems strange to me because Wales is full of castles. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, I, I think the problem is the the majority of countries have very intense regulations about what you can or can't do with a castle. Because yeah. mo- most castles are not owned by like private entities, and if they yeah. are, they and you are Ron Howard, they probably yeah. ask for a um, they ask for a piece that that. Re- Ask for that real Hollywood dime when they see you coming yeah. from a mile away. No, you can't make five explosions on my castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this thing's been here for 1,600 years. Um, yeah. There will be no new detonations. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sure would be nice if we had some grenades, don't you think? The brownies um, are the children of the Willows, Willows Universe's fairy queen... Um, Shalandria. I think okay. I'm saying that right. Shalandria, uh, played by Maria Halvo, who came to Willow and told Willow to take the baby to uh, Tiris Lee. The, the brownies either coexist or serve the Queen of the Fairies. Um, because there's... Uh, remember there were fairies all over the place whenever... Willow was tied down with the brownies. Right. And like, right, yeah. Then the Shalandria tells the brownies to release him. And a bunch of fairies start kissing him. Uh, they seem to have, like, a, a habitat together. The Willow movie didn't really go much into how brownies would be, like, uh, household uh, there were no house favor brownies. tenders yeah. or anything. Yeah, um, but it does imply that brownies know uh, uh, an expanded amount of etiquette and knowledge about other races, especially Daikinis. Well, and it's essentially, I'm curious how they will, um, whatever amount of fairydom that they drag into this new Willow property, you know, Willow yeah, 2.0. I really want to see it. <laughs> but within the film, they kind of seem to use Brownie as almost a, um, a silly generic sprite or pixie or fairy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's less it's less hewing to traditional, um, you know, fairy folklore and kind of just giving like a broad scoop of just a, a slush pile of miscellaneous fairy business. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's brownie adjacent, but it's you know if you start if you start picking at the um, you know the rules of fairies within the the D and D universe or D and D universe or within like proper mythology, you realize yeah. it's like okay, well this is kind of weird. I mean, you get the you get the essential points right where they're they're scamps, they're mischievous, they're fucking around. They're yeah. actually they're actually not very violent. They're they're fairly yeah. good hearted. Um, so you know the middle the torso is is quite right. Yeah, I thought I actually kind of realized that the the limitation. Uh, that were put on, that were put on the two brownies, which was like um, resigning them to comic relief, is probably not going to be an issue with the show because I think it was just because of like practical effects. Like, yeah, they couldn't be yeah. in very many scenes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the fact that their gags are mostly like two white comedians standing around doing like a Laurel and Hardy on each other yeah. in, in, in front of what must've been at the time, like a, a million dollar, a minute blue screen set up, um, yeah. which by the way, kids, green screens used to be blue. They used to do blue screens back in the olden days. <laughs> you know, now that's, that's, that's nothing, you know, like mm-hmm. the gags that they did at that time is, is, is it's a joke. So yeah, I, I, I really I, hope I that do we do it on my phone. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really hope that we get, um, 
a more expansive use of uh, fairies and definitely some drop-ins by brownies, whether they're uh, Kevin Overton, and um, Rick Overton or not. I, th- I do believe they're going to be in it. Well, that would be fantastic. Mostly what I'm curious about is to what level of, like, fae business the show is going to get up to. Um, yeah, probably a lot. Because the talking about how uh, Frangine became king of the brownies, there was a lot of backstory for them. Like, um, yeah, sure. An entire expansive uh, world. There were, there were more than just two brownies in George Lucas' story, too. But I imagine also that was limited by how much... How many people you could put in front of a million dollar a minute blue screen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that limitation is entirely uh, financial because now it would be nothing at all. Um, and we, I, I also don't want to forget that Billy Barty was in this one, um, one of the yeah. most famous old time little person actors who was in the um, very divisive Masters of the Universe movie. Uh, in yeah. Willow, yeah. but, um, also as Scro- my favorite, one of my favorite, um, elven characters, uh, which is also using elf in quotes, uh, as screwball in, uh, legend in 1985 by Ridley oh, Scott. Oh yeah, which he is, was, uh, yeah. That's where I was trying to place him was legend the whole time I was watching yeah, he was the one yeah, that ha- he was the, the one that had the uh, the little the the fairy potion under his hat. Um, yeah, or uh, no, 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 that was the other guy. He was the one that discovered that he had it. Um, it's like they got me right through me brain pan. Um, yeah, that was that was the other guy. Screwball thought that he was dead, but it turns out he was fine. Yeah, Billy Barty is a yeah old old timey uh, old timey little person actor. Yeah, uh, Ralph Bakshi used him as the uh, rotoscope footage model for the Bilbo Baggins and Samwise. Oh, yeah. Okay. How about that? What a what a weird what a weird thing. We got to do a a rotoscoped topic at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. It keeps coming up. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Get rid of all of the everybody over the age under the age of forty five with uh, yeah. our. Exclusively rotoscoped episodes. Hasta la vista, baby. The another person that's going to be in the uh, new TV show from the movie is Phil Fondacaro, who played Von Carr, the best warrior in Willow's Village. Um, he is. Oh yeah, he's he's used to be in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was in um, uh, Land of the Dead <laughs> that we just oh, talked about. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the character of Von Carr has a lot more to him, too. Like, he has an entire backstory. Like, his dad was a drunk who used to beat him, and, like, the High Aldwin, played by Billy Barty, always favored Von Carr because he had, they both had, like, rough childhoods. Hmm. He took off from the village, like, a long time ago. Uh, and he was the only person from Willow's Village to um, venture with... Uh, they were like Daikini mercenaries that were uh, looking for the same magical castle that he was, and they never found it. <laughs> and by the time he got back to the village, he was like this um, expert warrior on a Daikini level, but uh, still a Nelwyn, which is what Willow's people are called. I see. A Nelwyn. Yeah. Okay. So Nel- Yeah. I, I uh, for the entirety of my life, thought it was Anne Elwin, oh, okay. but it's Nelwin. Kind of like Naranja turning into an orange. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's how language works. So um, yeah. you just write one confused book and it'll be true in a thousand years. I'm, I'm working on that, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. Yeah, the Ebersisk. Yeah, so the Ebersisk, for those who have not seen this movie, is kind of, um, it's a dragon-adjacent beast, but honestly, it's got more vibes of, like, um, a cross between, like, maybe a Hydra and a weird kind of Harryhausen-era dinosaur monstrosity. Does that sound sound right to you? Yeah, it's kind of like a Hydra, and um, you know what? It is a Hydra, because Hydras have, like, tiny little stump bodies, and the majority of them are neck. Yeah, but it, it ha- they, they've, de- they've clearly gone to an effort to... 
make this thing have some kind of biological plausibility that it's not yes like because yes. it has this very um, grotesque head design with this unnecessary yeah. um, nasal flange bump and then these yeah. weird like glottal pieces under its chin where you go like yeah those are those are its bellow sacs and its um, fire glands yeah, and it, it, where it and mixes chemicals to create fire and then uses its like throat bellows to uh, blow it out and project it yeah so this is a this is a um, very odd case where willow which is a a high fantasy movie in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, there's, there's sorcerers throwing, throwing magic and transforming into things. There's, there's fairies. I imagine that's, that's just how George Lucas thinks. He thinks like a dragon that breathes fire is excellent, but how would that happen? (laughs) Yeah. And like, I'll, I'll tell you how it's going to have a big bump on the front of its face that mixes chemicals and then a giant bellow sack underneath of its chin that blows air out. (laughs) Yeah. So in a way it, it has a, um, it has a kind of like compelling aspect to it where you're like, oh, that's a thing that kind it of looks, exists. Yeah, it looks like um, whoever came together to design this monster also designed the Rancor. Yeah, absolutely. Where the 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 weight and ugliness of it kind of has a has a a, a bizarre bizarrely com- yeah. Compa- I mean, even if, if you look at these 1988 toys from Tonka of the Ebersisk that came out, yeah, you could put you could yeah. put that thing right next to your um, Rancor from Star Wars toy and be like, "Yep, those are exactly in the same universe." Um, yeah, you know, it 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 has a. Um, Philological uh, sense to it. You're like, oh yeah, that's 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 part, that's part of the same universe. They're from the same Savage yeah. Land. They're from the same D and D universe. Terrible, traumatic story about the Ebersisk toy in my childhood. What? Like, uh, um, the Ebersisk toy. Oh no. Um, along with the rest of uh, like the Willows, uh, the Willow like miniatures, I guess, because they weren't really figures. Okay, <laughs> right. They were just little um, immovable pieces. Yeah. Um, my mother put them on layaway at Hills uh-huh. for my birthday, which is um, where the toys are. Let me explain to you, to you um, children, what layaway is. Layaway is whenever you take um, a product from a shelf of a department store and give it to somebody in the back of the store and say, I want to pay for this later. But with a little bit of extra I money, like to, I would like you to lay it away. It's kind of like buying a car with a down payment, except you don't get the car now. You only get the car later. Yeah. And so they were on layaway and I uh, just had to be good, I guess, to, to get them for my birthday. Good luck but I got kicked in the nuts at school in a fight and I got in trouble for fighting and um, so I did not get any Willow toys for my birthday and that like scarred me so bad because I loved Willow and I was the one that got kicked in the nuts and like um, I was a pretty young child probably like uh, just turned seven and I I couldn't I guess I couldn't like express myself uh, articulately enough to say, I'm the one that got kicked in the nuts. Please don't take my willow toys. <laughs> I guess what I said was, <laughs> Remember, Hills Toy Layaway. One reason they're different and why they say, Hills is where the toys are. Oh, didn't have that on my 1988 bingo card. Yo, yes. shit. So the Ebersisk scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Also, I, it's, um, I can't see it breathe fire without my nards twinging. Yeah. Also, um, for those of you that were wondering, uh, Willow did not create the Ebersisk from a troll. It was a known creature that already existed. Oh, and, um, okay. The reason it came out of the troll is because Willow tried to cast a spell at the troll, and he said the word for change, and then interrupted the spell. And the troll changed into an Ebersisk instead of, like, being banished or whatever he was trying to do. Because all of the words that they say whenever they're casting spells are, like, based on real Welsh words. Uh, Yeah. Well, don't try to put real Welsh and words all together as one thing, because it's all (laughs) available. Ben Honeywithwe. Ben Wanawathwa. 
Yeah, I have a fucking stroke every time you want to get off the tram. You're like, this is <laughs> this is Wishawahwishawahwai, and they're just like they pronounce it like they, they pronounce it Tom. And you're like, there's, there's <laughs> seventy two <laughs> fucking letters in that. What is up with just by the way? What is up with the troll in Willow? Because it looks like. It also looks like a little person in a little, like, Planet of the Apes costume. Uh, Phil Fondacaro played the troll. Yeah, that's what I thought. Boo-boo. Yeah, so yeah. he was Von Kari and the troll. I was wrong. I'm, I, somebody please correct me about um, anything about this, but, you know, the majority of individuals that we're seeing in this movie are little people, which is the broad category, but specifically little people because they are, they have dwarfism, and yeah. he particularly has one of those um, faces where even in like an incredible amount of sci-fi load, yeah. you're like that's a little person, right? You know what I mean? They're because yeah. it, it yeah. the structure the structure of your uh, face is just um, like tends to be different. Whereas um, I believe, and we'll see how much of this talking about little people uh, we have to cut out. Uh, yeah, uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I th- I'm. I mean, I I think we're fine. I am. I have nothing negative to say about little people. So I, you know, if I accidentally say something douchey, that's on me. But I don't. I don't. I certainly don't intend to. But um, for instance, my understanding, in contrast, is that for instance, David Bennett. Uh, of legend who played Gump. Yeah. Actually, although yeah. he's although he's a little person, he's not a dwarf. That he has yeah. that um he has a a different like genetic or congenital thing going on that causes him to be a super small dude. And yeah. so not all little people are dwarves, but when you see yeah. when you see people and you see the facial structure and the the limited limbs in terms of length and some other parts where you look at them like, that's a dwarf. Um, it's sometimes yeah. easy to catch them very quickly. No problemo. There is a, uh, how would I say? So G- George Lucas has uh, awesome, he has great strengths and weaknesses. And certainly he obviously has an imagination that um, does at least a couple of them very important things where when he thinks yeah. of something, he doesn't think about it in a vacuum. You know, when you one of the yeah. reasons that you know you just take a random example, Darth Vader is not created yeah. in a vacuum. Darth Vader is a a combination of future concepts remixed with samurai imagery and World War One imagery in order to give yeah. you this super plastic death daddy from space, right? And yeah. because he realizes that, you know, just everybody wearing white jumpsuits and, and pushing white buttons on white walls is not how future space works. You know, that everything yeah. is coming out of a culture and a history and history is cyclical and related to itself. You know, he does do a good job of creating worlds that imply that there is something beyond the 16 by 9 border of the frame. And yeah. so, it, you know, you're going to inherently have people that are going to go like, What's happening with the Elwin and what's happening with the brownies and what's you know yeah. that that's, that sorcerer lady was fucking crazy when she did all that shit, you know there and yeah. and what happened with the blonde guy with the weird sword hand and everything else, you know and it, it does imply that that there is a vast world beyond the margins of this, and so I think whether it's new fans or old uh, creeps like us who've been waiting since um, like shit was on layaway at Hill's department store that, yeah. that um, it's, it's going to be a very compelling show because it's a rich enough world. And also let's not forget the fact that in the uh, intervening 30 years, Oh Jesus Christ, that um, <laughs> the world has gotten a real rigid hard on for D and D like things. And D and D the yeah. movie is probably still going to suck, or D and D the TV show, whatever the fuck they're making. I don't know. It seems to be cursed. So I mean, just making D and D content, like making shows yeah. and, and movies out of D and D. So if that well, if that ends up being popular, people who don't know what they're doing? Yeah, they're <laughs> like just give it to the wrong. Yeah, they give the wrong people. They're like, let's get a lot of handsome people in here. I'm like, you're doing it bad. But Willow, yeah. but Willow it, it is one of the greatest pieces of media that has kind of like 
um, you know, scratched the itch of the D&D nerd over the various uh, decades. You know, Willow is kind of adjacent where you could plop with the Willowverse into Forgotten Realms very easily and, Absolutely. and stat everything yeah, out, yeah. no problem. You know, the, with the with not having to be the the hashtag D&D property, but having the energy of um, those creative forces already baked into it and really good people signed on and a, and a, a pedigree and a history, um, it might yeah. do a better job of being the D&D show than the D&D, D, the D&D show would do. So, um, you know, it's, I'm very curious what will go on there. And I'm really excited to see, uh, particularly Warwick Davis get to reprise this role and hopefully doesn't have to do as much running around and falling out of things. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like he's just plagued with having to do tons of physical work his whole career. I've realized. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. He, he tried to, um, you know, he was only fucking 18 when he did Willow. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's nuts. And that um kind of blew my mind. But yeah, he, uh, in the in the DVD commentary he was downplaying how much physical work he did and like trying to congratulate his stunt double the whole time. But like it's clearly <laughs> him in the movie jumping yeah. and running and <laughs> Yeah. At last, we can retire and give up this life of crime. You know, we didn't we didn't um pop open Val Kilmer very much, but uh, I'm no, I, I need to watch that damn Val Kilmer documentary because he's so great, but I, I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually, I'm just worried it's going to make me sad as, as fuck. So I'm kind yeah. of like, I'm kind of putting it in a drawer until I, yeah. ha- until suddenly I decide to watch it because I uh, got enough weed <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, until, I, until I've gotten my third bucket of weed to smoke. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will hot box this yellow bird, uh, bus and, uh, drive to Houston, Texas. Uh, no, I, I just am worried that, yeah, it's going to be such a, 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 a monolithic bummer because I, 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 ha- I have a great deal of empathy for, um, Val Kilmer for some reason. He's so delightful and seems like a, a really genuinely yeah. nice person that I'm worried that I, I'm just going to like um, not yeah, get the, through it. Yeah, the real Doc Holliday was a terrible fucking monster. For, yeah, absolutely. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. Like one of the worst people that ever fucking lived. I believe that, and yeah. Val Kilmer took Doc Holliday and made him this fictional wonderful thing. Yeah, it kind of tur- yeah, <laughs> <That> is- <laughs> it kind of made him, you know, it kind of made him like um, mortality itself. If mortality, you know, the kind of like gallows humor yeah. the person, um, yeah, who who <laughs> naturally is kind of this like, you know, um, Chardonnay soaked dilettante, or you know, laudanum cured human pickle of of sa- sadness and um, poetry. And vino veritas. But um, yeah, and anybody listening to the sound of my voice who has not seen the uh, '90s Tombstone with Doc with uh, Doc Holliday by Val Kilmer, uh, run, don't walk to your nearest Cineplex, to your nearest yeah. Blockbuster, and um, shovel it out of their uh, bulldozed basement because it is. Uh, <clears throat> I I thought it was going to. I will say that the 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 romance plots. Are they they kind of drag ass because the the mandatory romance shit from the nineties? <laughs> they yeah. actually do a lot with it. I forget the actress who plays his his secondary love interest. The like the actor who's um, who cut. Co- you mean Dana Delaney? Um, yeah, the brunette who comes in with Billy Zane with the acting troupe. Yeah, that my friend is Dana Delaney. <laughs> okay, well she is. <laughs> She is very uh, captivating. She has not gotten less captivating since my eyes have aged past the age of twelve. She is, she is somehow. Yeah, I, I imagine that's why that's why Yakko did that. <laughs> right. She's she's kind of a Linda Ronstadt where there's she's a very chaste vanilla looking person, but she's got this like, yeah. um, I don't know, like weird. Uh, horny choir girl like thing behind her eyes that's like yeah, you can't pin down. I could, I could explain it, but I don't want to sound that way like on a podcast. Good idea. Good idea. 
yeah. yeah. We'll stay random. Which is like, which is, which reminds me, I, I, uh, lovingly and accurately refer to my girlfriend often as my sweet, soft Hungarian devil. <laughs> yeah, every single fucking line from from yeah. um, Val Kilmer in that movie, my partner was just like, "Wow!" <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm I, yeah. I, he is just <laughs> swinging for the fucking fence with everything yeah, he hits. Every frame that he's on the screen is a god damn like a electric event it is i mean you know yeah. you couldn't have a movie of just that but you, that's what you want is you want a second movie that's just like what like what's up doc um that is just yeah. absolutely crazy even though that you're the whole time <laughs> lamenting his imminent death from one of the most painful things you can die from it's just it's it's, it's yeah. so odd um val kilmer <laughs> you are a magic man <laughs> Maybe poker's just not your game. <laughs> yeah. I know. Let's have a spelling contest. <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing. And, like, and yeah, Sw- sweating like an Italian alligator the whole time. It's just really yeah. ama- absolutely amazing. Um, and the... Um, they they found the perfect role for Michael Bean, too. Oh, yeah. I... Which, I it, it, like, I don't know... I think that and Abyss are the only times that he gets a chance to be yeah. a, a, a bad a bad head. And God, he's yeah. scary as fuck both times. Wretched slugs. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? He is scary as fuck. And when when he's he's like, I don't know why. He is, seems timid when he's a hero, like Kyle Reese and Hicks are both these badass, tough-as-balls dude who will love you until the end of time. <laughs> and it's like, um, you're too nice, too soft-spoken to be this, like, uh, terrible wreck of a human that the character <laughs> yeah. uh, pretends to be. And yeah. Like, no, yeah. I, I think that I think in both cases he's reaching into these very, like, atavistic and primordial places with, that he is yeah. using to generate in, in on one hand the, the, the rage and contempt he has for everything. And, uh, and then on, yeah. on the other, a kind of, um, uh, deep abiding humility that blankets over like, uh, an intense sensitivity, which is, um, a very layered case on both ends of the spectrum that I just, just always yeah. fantastic. Yeah. This is a multi-million dollar installation, okay? He can't make that kind of decision. He's just a grunt. I, no offense. None taken. Well, regarding the many unnatural beings of Willow, the Sprites, the Ebersisk, perhaps even the Troll, are they, are they yeah. bitchin' van art? <laughs> Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? Oh, are they bitchin' van art? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean... It, this, this goes back to fantasy setting, of course, but yeah. specifically, maybe not so Yeah, much. I mean, if you have the Ebersisk on there, that could definitely be bitchin'. Um, Willow, yeah. as a general topic, absolutely is, because it's... You know, you've yes. got you've got plate mail, you've got swords, you've got a guy with a sword for a hand, you've got a, a weird old sorceress yeah. lady who dresses up as a hot babe, you've got you got you got a whole yeah. you got a two headed weird dinosaur hydra thing. It, yeah, yeah. Joanne Wally and Val Kilmer meeting each oh, other. Yeah, that that's they great. had to yeah they had to uh, redo all of their scenes because they were like. Um, in all actuality, like befuddled and and enchanted with each other during the first takes of it. All right, so yeah, it's bitch and van art. Uh, let's yeah. yeah, yeah, it is yeah. definitely yeah. To, if you yeah. take the Willowverse, it absolutely is okay. And yeah. now is the point on the show where I find that I have saved some images, probably somewhere. Where did I put those? Where are you, Gary? <laughs> that would be a funny series of um, new wave themed picture books of um, 
Like, where is yeah. where is Gary? <laughs> yeah. And now the segment on the show we call Gary Newman, Ken Ku Artificer. How I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? Huh. Well, factually, well, that's kind of the opposite thing. What does it look like? What is it factually? What is it kind of? Lo- what are you looking at here? I am looking at Gary Newman in a Victorian dusty uh, st- stove pipe hat. Uh huh. And um, I, I, I'm guessing it's like a dusty vest, or is it supposed to have like gray? spatterings all over it <laughs> um and he's he's wearing one of those um shirts those french like undershirts uh-huh. with one of those neckerchief uh ties and um other than that he looks like himself uh-huh. it's the clothes that he's wearing have thrown me off because i'm used to seeing him in um shatter gear <laughs> Yeah, this is... Um, and here he's dressed kind of like a uh, Sherlock Holmes villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a kind of... Um, <laughs> a, a kind of a low-rent fancy dress party, kind of like Victorian yeah. fancy man costume. But what it, what it is is... Uh, let's see. It is his costume from the Love, Hurt, Bleed video, if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's some promotion. Oh. It's a promotional shit that comes uh, yeah. from his album Splinter Songs from a Broken Mind in 2013, where um, that, yeah. that he, it is seen through such a uh, gauzy kind of cheesecloth, old-timey, um, ruined celluloid film quality that it he doesn't actually look like this, but only the the most broad notes of the fact that he's kind of wearing a dusty old top hat and kind of Victorian in dress is all that comes through. But in this particular photo, I think it's like an onset photo that somebody got of him while doing the video where he kind of looks like a rip-off Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah. which it is. Yeah, he does look like, he looks like a Sherlock Holmes villain, and yeah. I'm going to name this villain Dusty Newman. <laughs> yeah, or like a a weird <laughs> kind of mischievous bad guy character from Shiny Time Station and Thomas the Tank Engine who comes in and like tries to get get all of the <laughs> get all of the trains to go in the wrong direction. Yeah, Th- Thomas the Tank Engine's first villain. <laughs> yeah, n- not Naughty Gary wants the trains to not run on time. He wants them. All to yeah. all, all to end <laughs> up in Wales. <laughs> Button one with me. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes or whatever format you listen to us on, that really does help us a lot. Gavin Longshanks, that's me, is a aspiring internet personality. You can find <laughs> me on Twitch or YouTube. Just type in Gavin Longshanks. Thank you. Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for images that go along with each episode. Comment on the Instagram. Engage that Instagram. Um... Send us emails about role-playing game stories or suggestions about monsters that you want us to cover. Send us really anything at all. We are happy to hear from fans. The email address is oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. That's oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. And if you'd be interested in tossing a coin into our potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters or... If you're feeling really froggy and want to support us in an ongoing way, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found at YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. 
You are great. And I have been Gavin. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. You are great. Oops. There you go. Just all not killers. Mad Mardigan, but Doc Holliday. Oops, all Kilmers. <laughs> doop, doop, do. Yeah, it's getting hot. It's getting hot in here. So cut off all your toes. Through clicking through a lot of these characters, um, I've discovered a really odd movie um, called from 1981 called Under the Rainbow. Uh, it stars yeah. Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher that are in a period piece that looks like it's from the f like taking place in the 40s. That's about yeah. um, Nazi spies, and they happen to the events of it happen to be taking place uh, in the hotel in in Culver City, where all of the little people um, that, of course, they don't call little people in this uh, were yeah. were put up during the events of the filming of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, uh, this has to be either. Uh, the most amazing film ever made or a total abomination, but I see a lot of photos of Carrie Fisher in her undergarments. So the, this combination <laughs> of information is putting this right underneath 2002's James Gunn's Scooby-Doo movie for <laughs> didn't, that, I didn't have that on my 2022 bingo card. But uh, I guess I have to watch Under the Rainbow, which is um, a, yeah. a a little people epic starring Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher. All right. <laughs>